Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. A year ago, I started Documentary December because I love documentaries, all kinds of documentaries. Everything from Bowling for Columbine, Truth or Dare, Grey Gardens, The Kid Stays in the Picture, Iris. Now, a few of those that I just mentioned are music documentaries. And what I focused on, I think, last year was primarily music documentaries, not regular documentaries, because there is a, a whole bevy of musical documentaries. But then the, the regular documentaries, I shouldn't say regular, but documentaries in general, they are informative, they're entertaining. And so what I did is I started off with probably one of the most hilarious, entertaining, shocking, provoking documentaries, music documentaries, and that was Madonna's Truth or Dare. Because I think at that point, nobody really knew or thought they knew the real Madonna. I don't think we still do. And Warren Beatty kind of predicted the future. You know how we're all on social media now. And Warren Beatty said, as they're filming Madonna getting her throat looked at, all of this for a documentary? You realize the insanity of this when you film people doing this? And he's like, I don't think she wants to live off camera. And so social media has been waiting for Madonna. Or she's been waiting for social media. So I thought long and hard what to talk about. I'm just going to talk about films. Maybe the classics, because... I know enough about the classics to just fall in love with them. It's like reading a good book. You get under the covers or you sit in a good chair or you're on the train. That's a good experience to ride the train and watch an old movie. I did that once and the sun was coming up and I had the headphones on. This is before the iPod could play video. This is... I, I had a portable DVD player. In fact, I have a portable Blu-ray player because I love to just watch things when I want to in that small, confined element, whether it's in bed or in the car or on vacation. I, I eventually will get a regular Blu-ray player. But yeah, I, used to, I still love to do that. There's a familiarity when you put headphones on and you just escape. Or not even escape. You are in another world. You're still watching the world around you. And that's why I communicate so well with those Lou Reed albums. Because he said, my music is made for headphones. And so the classic films are just so beautiful. And yes... We, li- we live in an era where a lot of it is not politically correct. If you go back and watch Gone with the Wind, a lot of it is not. A lot of it is like, whoa. And then you start to hear the stories of what they left out of the film. Butterfly McQueen talked about that at length. And then you have the opposite of the spectrum. Hattie McDaniel played a maid. Hattie McDaniel though defended that and said I would rather play a maid than be one she was fully aware of what she was doing and supported actresses like Lena Horne and Paul Robeson who came in and said look I want to revolutionize the way we do this and I want to give a shout out to Aisha who we're going to talk about 
a film soon sorry mr anthony quinn i believe it's called the line in the desert anthony quinn is a good example of hollywood at that time he was a mexican-american with irish blood and he played not just mexicans but he played greeks and he played muslims and he played italians and he played everybody he played everybody he won an Academy Award for playing Viva Zapata, or he was in Viva Zapata. He didn't play Viva Zapata. Marlon Brando, an Italian-Irish-American, played a Mexican Viva Zapata. My friends have always said, in fact, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Fernando, who's so hilarious, for show. Uh, I remember one time he said, yeah, here is J-Lo, who is Puerto Rican, playing a Mexican. Some people have a problem with that. But Anthony Quinn, what he did is he took, you got to understand, this is the early days of Hollywood. And you were either white or you were a person of color and you did the all black cast or all Hispanic or all Asian cast film. There was no mixing of races in that time. An example of that is Stormy Weather with Lena Horne and and uh, Bill Robinson, Robinson, you you just didn't do that. And then and then Hollywood slowly began to change. And I saw a very profound interview with Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno, who's going to turn ninety this month. This is her birthday month. I'm a December baby. This is our birthday month. She has been doing this for decades. She talked about playing stereotypical island girls, as she called them. And then, what does she get? She gets singing in the rain, and she gets to play an actress. There's no accent. There's no falsifying of this. And then, decades later, West Side Story. In fact, 60 years later, she is in West Side Story, directed by Steven Spielberg. I want to give her not only a shout out, but as a true survivor, she survived so much. Hollywood is a very dangerous place. Yes, there is that song, Hooray for Hollywood, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for singing it, but who cares? My my perception of Hollywood is this. It's a good place to work, but I wouldn't want to live there. And if you look at the very New York actors, they don't live there. De Niro, I don't think, lives there anymore. Julianne Moore doesn't live there. When they need to, they'll come to Hollywood. Even Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall did not like living in Hollywood. And she talked about that. You had to drive everywhere. She preferred New York. And when I used to go to Los Angeles, because I had friends from college who lived there, I would always put on Dr. Field but feel good by Motley Crue because it's a good place to party and visit but I wouldn't want to live there more power to those of you who want to live there and if for some reason for work they were to say to me hey and this is mainly in entertainment if this if a podcasting company said to me we want you to move to Los Angeles we will pay you X amount of dollars I will do it but I will still come home all the time to find my grounding to ground myself 
because it is a place to work. Even Maynard James Keenan of Tool said that this is a good place to work, but for families, no. That's why he doesn't live in Hollywood. He lives in Arizona. <laughs> he lives in Jerome. He's a filmmaker too. He's a multi-dimensional renaissance person. That's the that's the thing living in this era that we live in. You don't just regulate to being a filmmaker. I was trying to explain it to my nephew who said he used to be the funny guy in class and now he's the sports guy. I said you do know you can be both. Oh no, right now though I'm focusing on oh, okay. But he's 10, so he doesn't he'll he'll realize that you know, oh okay, I could be a science person and play sports. You can be multifaceted. And but the entertainment industry is way beyond Hollywood. It's way beyond Hollywood. You think of most of the films are now made in Canada. Shout out to Canada cuz I I love I love Canada. I really do. Never been, but yeah. And then also parts of the world, Morocco, hello, Gladiator, Casablanca. Come on. Making films, and you think of that time of classic Hollywood. If you were, if you were a person of color, it was not easy. And Anime Wong, who really should have gotten the role in The Good Earth, but she didn't because she didn't think anyone would let her audition or take her seriously. And that role went to a German-born actress, Louise Reiner. And she ended up winning an Oscar for it. And she played an Asian. And she's not Asian. She, she put the makeup on to falsify. And yeah. Yeah. So. Rita Moreno. I, I want to play a clip. First of all. She I believe still lives in Berkeley, California. That's good to know. That's good to know. But her story is just so profound and so moving. As that, and then after she won that Oscar, she could not get parts. That's so sad. Here's here's the trailer. Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. I was really drawn to her. She made me feel like a woman could do anything because she did. She was a Latina, like me. She just brings such authority and such honesty to whatever she's playing. Some people might view Rita Moreto as the embodiment of the American dream. At the age of 16 years old, she was the sole breadwinner for her family. Little Puerto Rican girl whom nobody thought much of at MGM with a contract. I really was very often treated like a sex object. The studio would ask contract players to go out on pretend dates. Before I know it, he's forcing himself on me. When you're in a contract to a studio, they own you. Don't you touch me. I think sometimes there are wounds that simply don't heal well. She made herself into somebody she wasn't for a very long time. For the very first time in my life, I felt very useful. She really cares about issues. And then she is just full of you-know-what and vinegar. <laughs> Wear your nationality like a flag. Be proud of it. Be proud of it. 
So let's pull away because if they start to play West Side Story, West Side Story, I'm in trouble. Copyright wise, I want to also play Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn, who well, first of all, my grandmother loved him. My I, I often say I should, I what time is this to my grandfather, and he just kind of looked at me because my grandmother had been gone a long time. And I said, whoa, Grandma really liked some of those, like Anthony Quinn and, and Yul Brenner. And he went, yeah, yeah, like he didn't want to hear it. <laughs> but Anthony Quinn, um, whoo, my goodness. And also, I have to mention Martin Sheen because you know Martin Sheen's real name is not Martin Sheen. It's um, Ramon Estevez. Okay, so back then in that era, you had to change your name to get work. Um, Anthony Quinn played so beautifully Zorba the Greek. And here he was, a Mexican-American, and then he was in Lawrence of Arabia with Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif. I love Omar Sharif. And that's another example right there. Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif, you, you, you want to talk about here? I'm going to play this Anthony Quinn clip real quick. Ironbound passion, charismatic grit, a fierce and exotic presence commanding on screen attention. TCM honors the larger than life artistry of an international icon. I am a river to my people. Star of the month, Anthony Quinn. 20 films capturing the Oscar winner's evolution from ruthless villain to lion-hearted hero and beyond. I was almost the heavyweight champion of the world. A diverse reflection of many nations and tribes, he was a cinematic chameleon. <laughs> successfully transforming himself over a career of more than 150 films. What kind of people are you? <laughs> TCM Star of the Month, Anthony Quinn, every Wednesday night in April, starting at 8 p.m. You are using up your nine lives very quickly. Only on Turner Classic Movies. So that was to commemorate Anthony Quinn's 100th birthday. He died in his 80s 20 years ago. And that that uh, trailer was made in 2015. Anthony Quinn played... He played Spaniards, he played Mexicans, he played Greeks, he played Arabs, he played uh, everything, everything. And he was able to do that. And there, yeah, there is a double standard for someone like Rita Moreno, who only played sex objects, according, you know, and um, was not allowed. So yeah, it's, there's the sexism right there. And then we enter Omar Sharif. I can see why. Excuse me. My grandmother loved Dr. Zhivago. Oh goodness, I haven't I haven't done this in a long time. Uh, my mother loves What's that movie? <laughs> the English Patient. I watched it and it depressed me. And then I watched Dr. Zhivago and I understood. And then she told me that my grandmother loved it. 
oh, she's here. That's why I'm doing this. Uh, you know, sometimes you feel these things coming on. I'm going to leave it in the podcast. So, yeah. She loved film. She loved the classics. She loved Rita Moreno. And so right now I'm going to play for you the amazing Omar Sharif. Um, yeah, talk, talk amongst yourselves. Today on Turner Classic Movies, John went while incarcerated and caught. When I heard that David Dean was going to make a film of Dr. Zhivago, so I immediately got the book and started reading it to find if there was a part for me. I never imagined that they would ask me to play the title role. I went to Madrid to meet David Dean about three or four months before we started shooting. And he said, Omar, I I have to talk to you about this film that we're making. He said, I'm going to ask you to do something extremely difficult for an actor to do. I want you to do nothing at all, at all, not to emote, not to have any reaction, not to do anything at all. And I said, why is that? And he said, because when we were writing the script with Robert, our problem was how to show in a film that a man is a poet. We can't have him reciting poetry to say this man is a poet. So we decided that the whole film would be seen through his eyes. And so we can show beauty, we can show the leaves of a tree in autumn flying in the wind. We can show his his poetic side through his eyes. The extraordinary thing in that film, in that script, is that this is a love story between Yuri Zhivago and Lara, basically. And they don't meet until about two hours into the film. They never meet. Do you ever... Come to Moscow. From Prada. If only there was someone to look after you. But of course, if there were, I'd be destroyed by jealousy. Shivago, don't. My dear. Making a, a big romantic film. It's quite different from making a, a historical film. This was not a historical film. This was a what they call a saga of uh, love and destiny and fate. No one can tell a story better than David Dean. When you worked with David, you knew that it was worth it. He breathed and lived cinema. And when he was on the set, he was all cinema. I like being Dr. Zhivago. I wish I were someone like Dr. Zhivago because I think he was probably the most perfect person that I have ever heard about. I mean, I can't think of a defect that he had, Yuri Zhivago, the character in the book. I can't see any defects in him. He was perfect. And so the score to Dr. Zhivago plays... I've never been more wrong in my life 
when it came to that film. When I first watched it, it was cold. It was Jan- it was February because my niece had been born and I was sick and I couldn't go. They would throw parties and I couldn't go. And so I would sit at home and watch these movies and I watched Dr. Drago and I was so depressed by it. And I remember saying to my friend and professor, Linda, hello, um, I said, oh my God, that movie was so depressing. And she says, it's Russian literature. That's what. And I went back and I watched it again. And it was so beautiful. And I think that's why, you know, I I understood. I understood. So, isn't that interesting? Uh, It's funny. uh, Dr. Jekyll was on earlier. And my grandmother tried to play that for us. And I couldn't get into that. I don't know if she played the Spencer Tracy one. I just couldn't get into it. I remember that. (sighs) But when I got into the classic films in 1999, I was about 18. I just graduated high school. High school was such a hellish ride. And not in a good way. It was such a PTSD kind of experience. I'm surprised I don't have it because of that. Because it was a very traumatic experience. All four years. With some good moments mixed in. Oh my goodness. Dr. Chicago. I, I have to mention Omar Sharif. Oh my goodness. Born in Egypt. Ooh, spoke five languages. Yeah. Played a whole multitude of characters. He was the Egyptian movie star. He did Lawrence of Arabia, his first English language role. Uh, Sheriff Ali and David means uh, Lawrence of Arabia. It's an it's a fictional character. Yeah. Oh, here we go. This is this is where I'm getting at in terms of the diversity. In Hollywood, um, Cassidy Sharif is what what is now considered one of the most demanding supporting roles in Hollywood history. Was both complex and risky, as he was virtually unknown at the time outside Egypt. However, as a historian Stephen Charles Catton notes, Lean insisted on using ethnic actors when possible to make the film authentic. Sharif would later use his ambiguous ethnicity in other films. He said, I spoke French, Greek, Italian, Spanish, and even Arabic, he said. As Sharif noted, his accent enabled him to play the role of a foreigner without anyone knowing exactly where he came from, which he stated uh, proved highly successful throughout his career. That's true. That's why I talk about the diversity of, of Omar Sharif. But he was able to play with Barbara Streisand. <laughs> oh, off screen as well. Uh, we won't get into that. In Funny Girl, for which she won the Academy Award. <sighs> but for me, it's all about um, Dr. Zhivago. So Because, you know, he is playing this this Russian poet and he's an Egyptian actor and and that's the beauty of diversity right there uh, oh, Sharif uh, played uh, Nikki Ar- Arnstein in Funny Girl 
He portrayed the husband of Fanny Bryce, played by Barbara Streisand, in her first film role. His decision to work alongside Streisand angered Egypt's government because she was a vocal supporter. Oh, my. We won't go over there. Uh, oh, my. He later uh, he admitted later that he did not find Streisand attractive at first, but her appeals soon overwhelmed him. About a week from the moment I met her, he recalled, "I was madly in love with her. I thought she was the most gorgeous girl I've ever seen in my life. I found her physically beautiful." Oh my, Omar! Oh my! Oh, he also was in a film with Catherine Deneuve. Oh, hello, <laughs> but to talk about Omar Sharif. And to talk about these actors who played these diverse characters. And that's what it's all about right there. And now, as we, we go back to West Side Story, it's an, uh, Latino characters are playing Latino characters in the film. And Rita Moreno talked about it on The View today how she put on dark makeup, <laughs> which she didn't really need to play a Puerto Rican in uh, West Side Story, even though she is from, from Puerto Rico. Oh, God, that song that she sings. Yeah. She talked about how the, the song I Want to Be in America, if I can find it, not a lot of people know that. She was a she she really is she she really is a trailblazer because you know it's it's a it's lonely out there it really is when you are the first at something you know what i mean so here if i can find this Let's see. I'm looking for Let me see. I'm looking for Here we go the song you know what yeah, I, mean. I do and i'm reading this verse that goes like this puerto rico you ugly you ugly island island of tropic diseases yeah and i thought oh my god wait yeah. a minute yeah first of all it's not an ugly and then i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking i can't do that no i can't oh, i can't do that to my people i can't yeah. do that and I waited back and forth, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll do it and just, you know, bear the brunt. And I said, no, I can't. So I was about to call my agent, who I'm sure was going to go crazy, and say, <laughs> are you serious? And I would tell him the reason. He's, he would probably say, I don't give a damn. You have to do the. So anyway, I was this close. And that, two days later, I got a script with all the new dialogue and stuff, and in it was Puerto Rico. My heart's devotion, let it sink back in the ocean, not island of tropic diseases. Mm. Good. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so let's pull away from that. <laughs> Woo! 
See what I mean? See how this is this is the role of the lifetime of a lifetime. This role won her the Academy Award. And she reads those lyrics. It's like getting a job. This has happened to me before. Where you work with someone, oh they're so nice, and then they say something racist and it's like Oh. We just had a training about that. Oh, what do I say? Oh goodness. How do I react? Oh, that's nice. You don't want to say that's nice. So here she is. She's got this part. She has wanted this part forever. She gets it. What happens? She reads the lyrics and is like, oh, I can't do that. I cannot do that. And she almost walked away from it. Whew. And you know, after she did West Side Story, she couldn't get parts. She couldn't get parts. You know, uh, and she's an EGOT. She's, I, I think she is one of the first EGOTs. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, how does Whitney Houston say it? That's a heavy title. <laughs> that's a heavy title right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, she is, a, she has the triple crown. She's got the a- Academy Award, the Emmy, the Tony, and then she's got a Grammy. So one, two, three, four. Yeah. So she does West Side Story. She did not appear in one film during her self-imposed exile from Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Cry Battle, which although it had been filmed directly before and after she won the Academy Award. She made her return to film in the night of the following day in 1968 with her former boyfriend, Marlon Brando, and followed that with Poppy and Marlo with James Garner. And then she we enter the electric company and she got to play these really great characters with uh, Morgan Freeman. Hello. I love Morgan. I think we all love Morgan Freeman. That voice. Such a an important actor. Such a calm actor. And the revolution will not be televised, but it will be on film. So as always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>